would say that my mission is really to catalyze the next iteration of human evolution. Welcome to the Ryan Watts Life Coaching Podcast. This is Ryan. Thank you so much for being here today. Check us out online at ryanwantslifecoaching.com forward slash success IQ for a great little assessment to help you enhance your success IQ. And that leads me to the topic of today's conversation. And that is uh, success IQ and really the foundation for what I mean there by success IQ. And that is uh, emotional IQ. So let's talk about unlocking your success IQ. All right. So again, you can get this assessment, the success IQ assessment at Ryan Watts Life Coaching forward slash success IQ. Um, So why should you get it? Well, the most successful people in the world, they really have one thing in common. But that one thing is that they have a high level of emotional intelligence. Uh, Research has shown that emotional intelligence, or EQ, is the strongest predictor of someone's performance. Um, High EQ individuals, they have stronger relationships, they adapt better to change, um, they have an increased level of resilience, and these all contribute to positive and productive work. And really... It also leads to overall life satisfaction, too, which is really what it's all about. Um, Emotional intelligence, it's really, it's vital for success because it encompasses five different dimensions. And we're going to discuss each of these dimensions in detail uh, with examples and give you kind of a framework to think about it and help yourself improve in these areas. Uh, Those five dimensions are self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and the fifth one is social skills. So unlike IQ, right, the intelligence quotient, we've all heard that term, emotional intelligence can be developed and improved over time. And this can enhance your leadership, your negotiation skills, and your collaboration skills. So let's talk about success IQ and its significance in your personal and professional growth. So uh, let's start with the definition. So uh, I'm guessing if you got this far, you have a general understanding of what um, EQ is. Um, EQ is the ability to understand, use, and manage your own emotions in positive ways to relieve stress, communicate effectively, empathize with others, overcome challenges, and diffuse conflict. Okay, so that's the working definition we'll go with here. So getting down into emotional intelligence, what we'll refer to as success IQ. There are five key components, right? We said self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills. So let's talk about self-awareness first. Um, It's important to understand your impact on work and relationships. Um, It can really help foster a sense of confidence, right? And on the other end of the spectrum, it can help you with realism, making sure you're being realistic. Um, so considering the role you play in your relationship, right? Um, one of the ways that I've explained relationships to myself is to think of it as something that emerges from 
two people's interactions, right? So a relationship is kind of this third thing that emerges from that. So what's your role and the nature of that relationship? Uh, Another element of self-awareness is just knowing what events trigger emotions in you, right? So have you ever felt shame? What causes that shame? Uh, Fear. What causes fear? What situations? And again, doing this without judgment is part of that, right? Um, Sometimes just judgment in general can be one of these triggers, but making sure you can identify this, right? Just say, you know, what what is uh, triggering this feeling that I'm having? And then consider how you react to those around you in these cases, right? So if someone comes up to you and asks you a question and all of a sudden you become frustrated, um, maybe it's because you don't know the answer. Maybe it's because you were interrupted. Maybe it's because you feel like you've adequately answered the question. Whatever that is, it's important to be able to isolate what that experience is for you to get to the emotional root of things. Um, So how do you react to those around you in general? Right. Um, if you were to talk about uh, charisma, for example, it doesn't seem like it's a skill that can be taught. Right. But they, they've identified in research skills that um, reportedly charismatic people have. And those tend to look like um, saying people's names when you introduce them, saying, hello, uh, Joe, shaking their hand, looking in their eyes, um, those types of things. So that in a way, when you break it down, those things can be taught. So how are you reacting? How are you behaving in front of people? And then uh, when something does come up that causes an emotional reaction, uh, how are you, how is your behavior changing based on that? Uh, And that goes to how other people perceive you. Um, A lot of us have a certain um, idea about how people might perceive us, but um, that comes from just kind of our own perception of that. So, a lot of times uh, re- the review process in uh, the workplace in America, you know, I think that a lot of research shows that um, getting reviews in the corporate scenario is kind of a, um, nobody likes to give them, nobody likes to get them and no one really gets a whole lot of benefit from them. Um, but one of the ways that they have uh, made a change in that process, which really um, provides more value to the re- to the uh, review process is to give what they call a 360 review, really where you get um, really a view, a review from not only your boss, but from your colleagues and maybe even your subordinates. And this can really give you uh, a point of view on how others perceive you. And uh, this information can be very hard to accept sometimes, but uh, if you don't accept it with a growth mindset, right, a lot of times the perception is just going to remain the same. And uh, uh, if you're listening to this, I'm going to guess that that is uh, not where you want to be. So what impact are you having on influencing others' behavior, right? So I want to be clear. I'm not saying cause, right? Because we can't really cause somebody to be upset. Uh, They might be upset by our actions, right? But on one end of the spectrum, we might be instigating a certain response from people. Uh, And we might be doing that knowingly or unknowingly. And uh, is that distinction made? Do you understand that? Do you have a good handle on what that actually means? Um, And then on the other side of that same spectrum we're talking about, we're kind of getting into the area of boundaries here. What behavior are we allowing? And how is that influence 
on their behavior, the, the uh, influence of allowing their behavior, how is that influencing their behavior? Um, and what do you need from the different domains of your life, right? What do you need from work? Is it just a salary that you need? Do you need to have, you need to find meaning from that work? What about your relationships, your friendships? What do you need from rest? What do you need from your creative endeavors? What do you need as far as personal, emotional, and mental space? Do you need a lot of physical space? Do you need time alone to journal in the morning? When you're upset, do you need uh, emotional space? These are things that uh, once you identify um, and you grow that self-awareness in your needs in these areas, you can really um, begin to develop um, ways in which you can ask for these types of things. Another interesting lens to understand yourself is your attitudes. And for the sake of our discussion here, attitudes are the lenses we view specific events or scenarios in. Uh, We might have an attitude towards, for example, people who don't have jobs. We might think um, certain thoughts might come up through that lens. We might have certain attitudes towards people who drink or don't drink alcohol. We can have attitudes about virtually anything, the way people drive, uh, people's political points of view. What are your attitudes? And if you can identify your attitudes, that lens of kind of expectant um, context to which you're living in, once you identify that, you can work to change it. So um, that can become very powerful in that way. So these are some ideas around self-awareness, which is kind of the first big uh, dimension of success IQ. And uh, there's a couple things that you can do to help with this. Um, so number one, just keep a journal to reflect your emotions and your reactions. Now, this can be difficult. I know that um, I journaled for a long time, and I didn't get as much out of it as I, I might hear other people. Uh, they, they, like For instance, Dak Shepard on his podcast talks about how he can't do anything until he uh, journals first. And uh, I just don't have that experience with it. Um, however, audio, audio journaling. So I have uh, the OneNote Microsoft app, and I just create an audio file under a heading called Journal, um, and I can just kind of talk my feelings out loud. And really what this is about is about organizing your thoughts and emotions, I think. Whatever way that you do this, I do it through planning sometimes. Um, but noting your reactions, maybe for the day, like what, what causes severe emotional reaction? Uh, and then once you have that reaction, you've kind of separated yourself from it. In this journaling process, you can then say, okay, what could be different next time? How can I better prepare myself for this reaction? Right, and it's this act of kind of the watchtower effect, right? You can get to a point where you're kind of looking down upon your life and your behavior, and you're able to make changes that way. So, keeping a journal to reflect on your emotions and your reactions can really be a powerful tool to cultivate self awareness. Um, practicing mindfulness. Now, this is just spending time to observe your thoughts and feelings. Uh, when I first started meditating, this really blew my mind. Um, and it's kind of funny because you get to different levels of, you know, you're like, like anything, you, your capacity expands a bit. I want to be careful of the language I use here because, you know, I don't think that it's worth talking about and I'm good at meditating. I'm not good at meditating, etc. cetera. Um, but as far as your own journey into mindfulness and meditation, um, 
you really become aware of how, for example, people might have perceived something you've done or how um, you suddenly become aware of your role in the deterioration of a relationship. Um, and that can be really powerful. It can be somewhat disruptive, but it really is a great tool for self-awareness. And finally, you can ask for feedback from others. And this will really help you understand how you're being perceived. Um, you can do this in the professional setting, in um, relationships, at home, uh, children. You know, and really, you have to have the courage to be able to take this step. So that's self-awareness. Now, closely related to that, in the second dimension of Success IQ, uh, we can talk about self-regulation. So what is self-regulation? So once we build the awareness, right, to understand that certain scenarios are going to cause us to become emotionally activated, we need to have the ability to regulate that emotion, right? Uh, and that basically means it's a, self-control is another way to say this, right? So um, to give yourself kind of a baseline of where you're at with self-regulation, you might ask yourself some of these questions. Now, first of all, can you accurately identify, can you name the feeling that you're feeling right now? Can you point to why you're feeling it? Now, being able to answer this question, right? And there's certain power that you discover by just using language to be able to identify your experience. And so being able to identify, hey, this is the feeling that I'm feeling because of this, right? And removing judgment, right? And being, you know, um, I had an experience this week where um, someone had pointed to something that was broken or didn't work correctly. And I'm being very general with the context here on purpose, but, uh, you know, we'll have to get a new one of these is what this person said. And I immediately took it as, wow, are you saying that I broke it or I'm responsible or I played some role in this? And really... I had to understand, wow, why am I feeling this way? Um, and it really had nothing to do with the situation. So I was able to identify another situation which played into this one. Um, just an overall feeling of I could have performed at something better that really caused agitation in uh, another relationship and really changed the context to conversations I was having with people. So I was able to kind of point to that. I could accurately identify that, hey, this is making me feel defensive or frustrated. And then when I thought the next step, why am I feeling this way? Oh, it's because, you know, I'm really being hard on myself about my a certain performance here and my level of ownership and leadership, et cetera. So asking yourself to name the feeling and then asking the why once you name it uh, can give you a baseline of where you're at. Next, you could ask yourself, how do I react when I feel angry or frustrated? Now, you might it might depend on the scenario, right? But if something upsetting happens at work, you might just kind of press down the emotion and kind of carry on um, and just kind of use an adequate amount of energy to kind of hold back your emotional reaction, repression, and, and you know, jury's out on whether that's a, a good way to do things or not. Um, you might become extremely extroverted. You might become uh, emotionally activated and um, yell, act out. Um, but how you react when you're feeling angry or frustrating, because, because feelings of anger and frustration, they, they cause us to want to take action immediately, right? So if you're looking at this through a self-control lens, 
How do you react when you have feelings of anger or frustration? Um, now, do you act impulsively? Or can you pause and kind of choose a more thoughtful response? Um, even though that might not feel natural at first, um, being able to kind of change the context in the situation and kind of, that's what I mean by pause and be like, you know what? I want to have a more thoughtful response than just um, letting the other know I'm angry. The third question you could ask is, how do I handle change or unexpected events? So if you're being interrupted, um, I can say personally, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Um, and I have to coach myself on, um, if I'm being interrupted, how can I, how can I change my reaction to that? But how do you handle change or unexpected events? Let's say you have a schedule, you're a very regimented person and something comes up that you've got to kind of scrap your schedule for the day. How do you adjust your emotional nature in that scenario? And this will give you an idea of where you're at with, um, self-regulation. Uh, and then the fourth question you could ask yourself is, do you stay focused on your goals? Uh, and, and that's even when you're faced with distractions or emotional disruptions, right? So the question here, really the question beneath the question, if you will, is, you know, when it's difficult emotionally, are you able to stay focused? And so what you can do to enhance your self-regulation is to kind of learn stress management techniques. Now, to oversimplify it, but just for the course of our discussion or the case of our discussion here, um, really we're talking about going from fight or flight or the sympathetic nervous system to the rest and digest or the parasympathetic nervous system. And one of the easiest ways that you can access your rest and digest or calm yourself down is what Andrew Huberman refers to as the physiological sigh. And that's something like inhaling up to 95% of your lung capacity. So, and then once you're at 95%, just taking in that one last or five last percent and then slowly sighing that out. And breathing is one of the easiest ways to access your parasympathetic nervous system. Uh, one of the ways I often remember this idea of the uh, physiological sigh is if you think of a child who might be upset, they get to the point where they're kind of like, <laughs> if you ever heard a child do that, that is their nervous system as they're upset, trying to regulate itself, trying to switch itself from that sympathetic fight or flight to the rest and digest parasympathetic side. And again, that's called the um, physiological sigh. Next, you can set clear goals and monitor your progress towards achieving them. So this is important because it's like keeping your eye on the big picture, right? So if your goal is, for example, to run a marathon and you have to run a certain amount of, you have a training regimen, right? Let's say that something happens and your training progress gets blocked because you're not able to take training or whatever. Um, keeping your eye on the bigger prize here and be like, okay, I can just move this from Tuesday to Thursday or whatnot. Um, it really helps you regulate your emotions um, when you're looking at the big picture as opposed to just the moment. So monitoring your progress can really help you gain a sense of self-control. And then finally, you can practice self-discipline in various aspects of your life. So what does this look like? Um, 
you know, for example, uh, a lot of us will go to behaviors. Uh, for example, in, during stressful situations, we might eat a lot of food or whatnot. And you might just have to practice self-discipline and, and not allow yourself to take part in those behaviors that are kind of doing the same thing as the um, physiological sigh that we just talked about. But that could be drinking alcohol. It can be overeating. It could be... Um, it could be a variety of different things, but having that self-discipline, right? To be able to just say, you know what? I'm not going to give into this uh, emotion right now and act impulsively on it. I'm going to instead withhold taking action and it, uh, as an act of self-discipline. That's another way to enhance your ability to self-regulate. Now, something we hear a lot about is the third aspect or dimension of success IQ. And that is motivation, right? And a lot of people struggle with motivation and we have to ask ourselves kind of why, why, why is this, uh, why is this happening? Why aren't we motivated now? Uh, just a brief overview of intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. Um, extrinsic is really things outside yourself, you know? So once we get kind of, um, food in our stomach and, you know, uh, shelter from, from, uh, nature, you know, that those are kind of external things, but, you know, it can also be sex, power, prestige, and, and kind of other social aspects, right? That, those are external, uh, motivators. But what we're really talking about here is intrinsic or internal motivation. So what motivates you internally, right? And it's, it's, it's not money. But it could be, um, but once we have, we're going to need some money to be able to exist in the world, right? But again, focusing on the intrinsic, um, it could be something like mastery, right? So why else would uh, we want to do something like play uh, or, or martial arts or dance or singing or something like that? We are, it is fulfilling to get, uh, to achieve a level, a certain level of competence, Right. So that could be um, martial arts, I think is a good one, or dance, ballet, uh, writing. These are all things that we enjoy and we kind of access a flow state while we do it. And it leads us towards a certain level of competence. And we'll call that mastery. Uh, another aspect or intrinsic motivator is learning. Right. So musical instruments is a good one. Uh, do you write music? Do you play music? Um, you're doing this because of uh, just a certain growth idea. You're learning how to do something. You're teaching yourself how to move forward. Learning another language is another one. Uh, the third example is something that's uh, altruistic, right? So, for example, charity work. Um, psychology research shows that doing things for other people or through um, for altruistic reasons is the number one way to increase your overall well-being in the long term. Now, it doesn't feel great so much in the short term, right? But doing charity work, for example, that can really enhance your sense of meaning and purpose and your overall well-being for the long term in your life. Um, and then finally, like personal development, how are you changing? How are you growing? These things are intrinsic motivators, right? So they have to, when you're, when you're motivated, they have to align with a certain values and beliefs that you have. 
Um, if you're not motivated, there is definitely a belief there that taking your set action, like getting out there and training for the marathon is not going to yield the results that you want. Or maybe it's going to be difficult is the belief, or maybe it's going to be more pain than you're willing to tolerate. So changing your beliefs, right? Um, and the easiest way to do that is to have it connect with a deeper value. So for my example here, one of my deep values is um, growth, right? And so if ever I'm not able to find myself be motivated, I just look to that growth. And as long as I'm growing, I'm happy. Um, and so that is how I unlock motivation for myself sometimes. Um, and, you know, that points me to my example. Now, why am I so motivated to, um, you know, do a complete career turnaround to do life coaching? And um, when I have a successful corporate career, et cetera, et cetera, well, number one, I'm in love with the human potential. I just think this idea of being able to go outside your comfort zone and, and have those uncomfortable zones become your comfort zones. That's the very definition of human growth, right? I just love that idea. Uh, it's something that uh, David Goggins talks about, right? He talks about the 60% rule where um, when you feel like you've given it all you can, you still have 41%. Right. And so I've found that in multiple areas of my life. And it just reminds me that there's so much more I have to give. Um, and I love the idea that we can't improve no matter where you're at. You can't improve. So it might not be about winning the gold today. And I think that professional athletes know this. It's about um, improving on a regular basis. Uh, you know, I would say that my mission is really to catalyze the next iteration of human evolution. Okay. And so what, what does that mean? It sounds kind of fancy and whatever out there, but I found my kind of purpose in understanding this idea. I mentioned earlier, like the watchtower effect, being able to manage ourselves to create and manifest what we want in the world. And I believe that everybody has access to that through, um, you know, mindfulness work and self-development um, and I think that in order for our species to really thrive, we need to move forward to this and we need to get out of our, um, our bodies, you know, and away from those external motivators of money, sex, power, prestige, and other social, um, aspects. And really it needs to become more intrinsic, more internal. Um, and we need to be able to elevate our consciousness to really out of, out of our primal drives in order to to move humanity forward. I believe that that's really the next big change that needs to happen. And so my work all relates to this. So how can you enhance your motivation? Well, number one, reconnect with the reasons why you set your goals and why were they important to you in the first place? What values were showing up in those goals? So, um, a lot of us set new year's resolutions, you know, we've talked about it on this podcast and, uh, things fall off on that. And so it really is, or can be, as easy as just making an adjustment to, um, of the goal or having a better understanding of what your values are. Why did you set that goal? You know, what is it about, um, a common New Year's resolution is to attain a certain level of fitness. What value does that, um, illustrate that you hold at a deep level, right? 
What does that manifest in your life? What is that? How, is that? how is that a manifestation of what your values? Number two, you know, when you feel overwhelmed, just break down the goals into smaller manageable tasks, right? And this can help you maintain momentum towards your goals. A lot of times, and I, I touched on this actually in this conversation as well, it's just organizing your thoughts. And then when you organize your thoughts, you actually can take it a step further and organize your feelings and then organize your actions. So I talked about how journaling doesn't do a whole lot for me, but what does is planning. And really what I'm doing is organizing my thoughts um, that are going to lead to feelings that are going to lead to actions, right? So take what your goal is and break it down into smaller tasks, and that's going to help motivate you. Now, I will say this. I've never broken a large goal down into too many small pieces. The important thing is to once you have it down into those small pieces, you have to focus on those, right? So that's why they say, and you may have heard this, if your New Year's resolution is to go to the gym every day, um, a step in that right direction might be just um, setting your gym clothes out to um, for when you wake up in the morning. Right. And then you might take it a step further and be like, oh, I'm going to actually put them on. Then I'm going to put them on uh, and get a water bottle. And then I'm going to set out my clothes, put on my gym clothes, get my water bottle set up and get in the car. And maybe those four steps is you build all the way until you're going to the gym every day. That is breaking down goals into smaller uh, manageable tasks. And then finally, celebrate the small victories. So, you know, that could be once you wake up and, and you have your clothes set out and you on day two, you actually get in your clothes to go to the gym. Celebrate that. What does that look like to celebrate? Um, and that can help reinforce that behavior for moving forward. So that's motivation. Now, number four is empathy. Okay. This is the fourth dimension of emotional IQ or success IQ is the way that we'll talk about it here. Empathy refers to the ability to understand and share the feelings of others. Okay. Um, I believe this is something that um, just the, the speed of our culture and the world we live in, I believe this is something that we don't like to dive too deeply into because it takes a lot of mental energy and in a lot of ways, we're forced to confront certain beliefs, right? So we're forced to confront any right or wrong beliefs that we have. So if you feel like you're being mistreated by um, by someone, um, you might just put it in a right or wrong context. And typically, the world doesn't exist in right or wrong context. Um, for example, one of the things I've talked about many times on this podcast is that is college right or wrong for you? Well, I don't know. I feel like in this day and age, college is the wrong choice, right? Because you can learn whatever you want to with the amount of focus um, and elevated consciousness, right? So it forces us to confront these beliefs that we have that really make our lives easier to live. Having a, a belief, right? Having a right or wrong, black or white belief really just cuts down on the mental energy that we have to use in order to live our lives. So uh, another one is just or unjust. Was I treated just or unjust by this person? Our society is dealing with this in a lot of different ways. You can look at uh, people's political uh, political beliefs, and you might feel like that's right or wrong. Um, and you know the, the the right and the left will argue until the end of time about 
right and wrong. And the reason why is because there, there isn't a right or wrong. There's a defined right or wrong out there. Um, and then you'll have to look into beliefs that allow us to belong to our group, right? We've, I believe we've all kind of gone through this. I would say that our, uh, in each generation, our family's beliefs tend to um, evolve, right? You don't have the exact same beliefs your parents did. And this is what I mean is that confronting these beliefs all the time, I mean, my beliefs are radically, radically different to what they were um, 20 years ago. Um, I was very involved in the punk rock scene when I was younger, and there's a band called Propagandi, which is um, kind of like an anarchist band, and they were very intellectually driven. And I remember thinking a lot of their ideas were extremely radical 20 years ago. And, you know, now, honestly, they're, they're probably more mainstream than radical. Um, and so the, those beliefs that I had that connected me to my family and friends, um, you know, I had to be willing to confront those and change those beliefs. And it was uncomfortable at times. So, um, so empathy, how can you enhance your empathy uh, in regards to success IQ. And the, the, the biggest thing is to listen better, to actively listen. And actively listening, you know, it, it really refers to not just wanting to respond, but hear and actually kind of wade into the picture that the other is painting for you. And you want to do this without judgment or trying to predict what they're going to say. And you really want to try to understand where they're standing, how they're perceiving the world. Okay. So active listening is a big concept that we won't get, won't get too deeply into right here, but really it just is about understanding where the other person's coming from. Uh, and this whole idea of taking small steps, like listening and understanding, when you understand then you might find a key element that you just took for granted that um, you didn't explain that that was misunderstood. Um, let me give you an example of this. I, I had an employee that that worked for me that didn't understand one of our policies and was very upset about being held accountable for it. And I was able to show after listening because I really wanted to understand. I really wanted to understand it and and show them all the times that they either signed a document or, you know, went through some of our trainings that illustrated this responsibility and um, showed that they understood it. And it was just, they were just kind of going through the motions. So, um, but I was doing that to try to understand because they really felt like, again, they were being treated unjust. And that's usually... Uh, when somebody feels like they're being treated unjustly, usually it is a sign of uh, miscommunication. And so I really, um, in my experience, I really try to dig in when that happens. So number two thing you can do for empathy is engage in role playing, right? Just practice empathy. So this could be just talking with someone that, uh, you already feel like, you know, well, um, or it could be, you know, actually just joining a group or if you're in school, you can just practice with someone really listening to what they're saying. And really trying to um, put yourself in their shoes and understand the roots of their perspective and why they see things the way they do. And then third, you can volunteer or you can help others develop a genuine sense of compassion. 
And this can be done in the smallest of ways, or it can be done what's actually suggested here by uh, what I just said, and that is um, actually volunteering for, I remember there was a time where I spent Christmas Day volunteering in um, a uh, uh, hospice ward in a hospital. It was very, um, it was very sobering, right? Um, but really, it helped me develop an overall sense of compassion and really gratitude for my life as I watched um, loved ones come in and out of rooms visiting their um, their loved ones and cherished memories with those loved ones uh, for what might be the final time. So empathy is the, the fourth uh, dimension of success IQ. And the final is social skills, right? So this is kind of takes all the leftover uh, parts of the, the dimensions here and um, talks about enhancing your social skills uh, for effective interpersonal interactions and really building strong relationships no matter where or what domain those, those relationships exist. Um, so you want to do this, you want to take into account the verbal and the nonverbal cues that people um, are expressing, right, in their communication. So sometimes the words you choose or the tone of your voice, being someone who is kind of uh, in the junior executive role, I learned really clearly that people hear your tone of voice much more than they hear the actual words that you're saying. And so how can I express my thoughts and feelings clearly, respectfully, and in, in a way that really resonates with their experience and their perspective? How do I influence that perspective? Um, your body language, right? Uh, that's a nonverbal cue. How's your eye contact? What facial expressions and gestures are you making? You know, are you, your arms crossed? They say that, you know, when you have your arms crossed and you're communicating with somebody, you seem closed off or like you're not allowing their perspective to have an impact on you. So you want to be active listening. You want to be open to what they're saying. You want to ensure your nonverbal cues really match what your message is, right? Um, and then second, you want to look into your conflict resolution strategies. So a lot of times something just as basic as identifying underlying issues, um, sometimes just identifying saying, you know, people might communicate with just, uh, with some tension and it could be just something as simple as the way that you said something to me made me feel like. Uh, you were upset with me about something else. And that then comes across in all of my communications with you. So when you identify that underlying issue that you might be upset with something that I did or said earlier on um, and focus on resolving that, the root cause of this conflict or tension, um, that can do a lot for all parties involved just to find common ground, just to move on. When you're doing so, you want to use I statements. You want to say, uh, you know, I feel upset when, or, um, I was under the impression, right? And even that you have to be careful of your tone there, but you don't want to say you make me upset by, you know, cause that sounds like you're blaming them. So use I statements and then you want to seek win-win solutions, right? What solutions would cause both parties involved to feel like they won? 
Um, I feel like there is a, a natural inclination for us as human beings to want to win by feeling that we dominated a situation. And really that does a lot to tear apart a culture, especially in a work situation or a relationship context. So seek win-win solutions. You want to try to find a mutually beneficial outcome. And then, you know, if you're very emotionally activated, if your emotions are running high, take a break from the discussion, right? Have a cool down period. Uh, maybe agree on a time to get together and, um, and finish the conversation if emotions are high. Uh, and then finally, if you engage in group activities or team sports, building teamwork skills, right, or group activities, um, it really teaches you how to work towards a common goal. It teaches you how to deal with differences and support your teammates. That's not obvious to a lot of us, right? It teaches you uh, leadership and to just accept your role. Um, it's not always about being the leader, as a lot of people think, especially in our culture these days. It also helps you understand mutual respect in achieving the objectives as a team. Um, also, joining a team or a group in this way can really help with communication and coordination. Uh, the group setting, it really requires a lot of communication. And you've got to enhance your ability to convey ideas and to really bounce strategies and ideas off each other and adjust to the different dynamic situations. So enhancing your social skills, um, you want to, you can enhance this by focusing on both your verbal and your nonverbal cues and, um, how other people's verbal and nonverbal cues are coming across to you. You want to practice conflict, conflict resolution strategies. Now it sounds like I'm saying something fancy, but I'm not, um, you can compromise, right? Sometimes that works or you can agree to disagree. You can say this conflict that we have. Is going to be the nature of our relationship. We need to put it on the side and not allow it to be an obstacle for us to move forward. Okay. And there's literally hundreds of conflict resolution strategies, but, um, finding which one works for you. And then finally in engage in group activities to enhance cooperation, in your teamwork skills, right? Um, in hiring people for years and years and years of my corporate career, I always left to um, hire somebody who played team sports in high school or college. They just knew how to get along with people. They knew how to lead sometimes, how to follow others. It just was built in, and I didn't have to teach that. So um, it's something I really, really, uh, it, it's a trait or just an item that was identified that really um, just dug into um, to what was important to having a successful employee. So that concludes our discussion of success IQ. And you can go to Ryan Watts life coaching forward slash success IQ to get your success IQ assessment. And what I would do is once you get your success IQ, um, just how can you take what we discussed and just move forward just one small step every day to try to improve these things. Thank you so much for listening today. This is the Ryan Wants Life Coaching Podcast. Please leave a review if you're listening on um, Apple or Spotify. That really helps us grow our leadership. And again, you can sign up for your free success IQ assessment at ryanwantslifecoaching.com forward slash success IQ. 
Uh, I thank you so much for uh, listening again, once again. Um, and I just want to give a quick plug to my personal success accelerator course. You can find this at Ryan Watts life coaching, uh, dot com as well. Uh, it's a 2997 course. That's going to really do. It's going to, it's going to put rocket boosters on your personal success. Uh, we break that down into various life dimensions. And again, we kind of take that one step in each one of those dimensions to, um, to again, really accelerate our success uh, and however you define that in your life. So this is Ryan. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, all the best.